It is finally March. Yes, it is. We are four, We are just 14 days away, I believe, from Selection Sunday, or a little less than two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Once again, Ethan Morrison alongside Connor Lawrence. Connor, we got a jam-packed show today. A lot of conference tournaments to talk about. A lot of top 25, a lot of bubble teams to talk about. A lot of big matchups that occurred over the past week. How are we feeling in this first week of March? We are so close to tournament time. Finally going to get a tournament, something that we've been waiting for for over for almost a year now. How are we feeling? You know, well, first off, Ethan, it's great to be back. But exactly one year ago today to the exact day, I got to witness Michigan State take down Penn State on the road in what ultimately was one of the last games of the Big Ten 2020 season last year. Um, but nine days later, we ultimately knew the fate of the college basketball world. Basketball no more, a march without the madness. Mm-hmm. This is March. It's it is. great to be back, and it's a great feeling. It is March. I'm I'm so excited for what the uh, next few weeks have in store. I mean, we've already seen with some of these conference tournaments how 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 good these games have been, especially going into overtime. These last second shots, all of that. We're gonna dive into that right now. But first off, let's start off with a with a little little bit of a a little bit of a sadder story here. Coach Greg McDermott, head coach of Creighton men's basketball, over the weekend um, said something in his post-game speech that um, I, I words can't even describe it, but here's what he said. He said, guys, we have to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everyone to stay on the plantation. I can't have, I can't have anybody leave the plantation. Now, that did not sit well with any of the players or the coaches or parents or anyone that's really close to the university. So um, he released a statement yesterday. He said, on February 27th, after an emotionally tough loss on the road, I addressed our student athletes and staff in the postgame locker room and used a terribly inappropriate analogy in making a point about staying together as a team despite the loss and specifically, he said, just the quote that I just read, I immediately, I immediately recognized my egregious mistake and quickly addressed my use of such an insensitive words on, with the team. I've never used that analogy, and it is, at, it is not indicative of who I am yeah, who I am as a person or as a coach, I am deeply sorry. I have apologized to our student-athletes and to our staff, as well as to President Hendrickson and Director of Athletics Bruce Rassman. Um, and then over the last 72 hours, I've engaged in multiple difficult, multiple difficult conversations with our student-athletes, staff, parents, and university administration, and I realize the pain that my words have caused. For that, I, am sincere, I sincerely apologize. I am committed to ensure that this will never happen again, and I am using this as a learning experience while, the, where, while there remains work to be done and, uh, and trust to earn back. I appreciate our student-athletes' honesty and will, maintain, and will maintain an open dialogue as we grow and learn together. Um, first off, I mean, why, why even say such a thing? I mean... Just like it's, I mean, yeah, it's insensitive and completely. Like nobody, nobody uses that. Nobody In, uses yeah. that word or analogy ever. So I don't yeah. even know why why it's brought up. Completely. Do, do you have Do you have any Do you have any thoughts on this before we move on and get into get into this week's episode? Well, allegedly on I believe Wednesday, so today, 
Um, he was asked to step down or resign. Mm-hmm. However, his players didn't want him to necessarily. He was asked to resign, said he was willing to accept that, mm-hmm. but his players demanded that he stay. I mean, I, I mean that just shows to you how how good of uh, how how much of a coach he is and how much of an impact he has on his players. I mean, this is I mean this is one very 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 big mistake. And I know uh, one of the assistant coaches um, he he released he released his statement as well. Um, Terrence Reckner, um, he also released a statement on that. Um, so I mean, it's something that. Obviously, it's going to be tough to move on to move on for for Coach McDermott, and uh, he has a lot of trust to gain back. But uh, let's let's move on to to a little bit lighter note because there was a lot of action that happened over the weekend. Um, the American East tournament tipped off Saturday afternoon, but before we get into the specifics, there uh, we Nick and I had a chance to sit down with Vermont forward junior Ryan Davis. Uh, he leads Vermont with uh, 18, uh, 18 points per game, averaging 18 points per game. He's just been a force. He's really stepped up this year. Um, I think he's doubling what he's what he averaged in his sophomore season. So Nick and I had a chance to sit down with him, uh, talk about the season so far and how COVID has impacted all of that. So let's take a listen right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So as mentioned, we are here with Ryan Davis of the Virgin or Vermont. I knew I was going to say Virginia, Vermont Catamounts. As I said, one of my favorite nicknames in all of college sports. Ryan, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me. No problem. 18.6 rebounds per game. And Ethan, why don't you ask the golden first question? Yeah, Ryan, when did you start to get into the game of basketball? Um, I, you know, I've been playing my whole life, but, um, kind of played shared it with uh baseball up until junior year in high school and then after that really just kind of played all uh, basketball year round so um but I've been playing it my whole life mm-hmm. um what what point uh in that period of time when you were splitting time with basketball and baseball did you really feel that you can take the next step and go to the next level playing uh a high level of basketball yeah kind of I never really thought about playing basketball at like the collegiate level or anything like that when I was like in high school or whatever, but I kind of started to realize after actually my teammate Jimmy Sotos in high school was getting like attention. He was um, a year older than me, so once he kind of started getting attention like that and getting offers, that's when I was kind of like realized that's something like that could happen with me as well. So, um, so like junior year about um, is when um, that kind of started happening. Mm-hmm. Was there any other schools other than Vermont that were looking at you out of high school? And then what was the determining factor that uh, made you choose the Catamounts? Yeah, I had um, a couple schools uh, interested in me and um, took a couple officials that I think I took four out of my five officials. But what really stood out with me about Vermont was just, you know, the culture here and the guys. And when I came, it's kind of like how they really, um, you know, took pride in passing down the like what they teach here and everything and just how close they were. And then the, the town and all the fans that were at the games and, you know, saw um, how many people they had at the games. And then just finally the, the academic part of it was just great as well. So it just kind of made it kind of easy and just felt right. So. Absolutely, absolutely. So 
moving into this season, you've had a considerable jump in production through your freshman year up to your junior year. What what led to this substantial growth this year? I mean, you doubled your point intake from uh, this this past season and then up to this season. So what was what was that? How what led to that growth? Um, you know, I think it's just I think it just comes from staying the course, listening to coaches, and you know they're going to put trust that they're going to put me in the positions um, to succeed, and you know just keep on working on on off season, keeping my head down, remain focused, and. You know, I have great teammates that put me in great spots to succeed as well. So, I mean, with all those kind of coming together, I think it um, just leads to, you know, success. And I just try to capitalize on all those opportunities that I get. So, And obviously uh, something that might have gotten in the way of success in all of college sports was the current uh, pandemic that we're dealing with. I'm sure it's a question you've been thrown your way a few times, but what's it like kind of from an athlete's perspective kind of competing during these times? Yeah, you know, it's definitely it's definitely um, a struggle can, at times. It can be hard to adapt to, like, the, all the ever-changing rules, um, especially coming off of quarantine and having, you know, having to do that twice. It uh, can be frustrating. You can kind of lose your conditioning here and there. But it's just kind of – I think it's, it's always a challenge mentally, but I think – specifically more this year to kind of remain focused even in those times when you know you are quarantined and you can't really touch a basketball but just trying to remain focused that way and getting those kind of mental reps is something that was I thought huge this year more than more so than any other year yeah how are you able to remain focused I mean you guys were playing are playing extremely well like how were you able to remain focused through those uh COVID pauses throughout the year yeah, you know, we had, like, multiple Zoom calls with the coach and stuff and just making sure we're all keeping in touch because, um, you know, obviously, as a lot of people are dealing with, they can be lonely and you kind of, you know, kind of your thoughts kind of just fly. But um, we, I think we did a good job of just kind of, you know, having some sessions with the guys and with the coach and staff and kind of just having having those each and every day or each every other day kind of helped us remain focused on the goal and, you know, obviously watching other teams in conference play and, you know, paying attention to that, but um, yeah, I think that's what really helped us get through those times. So, and back to your uh, personal performance: three double doubles on the year, as I mentioned earlier, six rebounds per game. Uh, what clicks for you when you're trying to go up and grab boards? You know, um, that's a question uh, that I actually I think I get a little bit. I think it comes from just kind of reading the ball and where it's going to hit off the rim. It's something that I've been using, just kind of trying to put myself in that position because, you know, I think – I forget the statistic or whatever it is, but I think it's like uh, above 60% or percent or something, the shots from one side go end up on the other side. So, you know, knowing that and just knowing, kind of reading the trajectory of the ball is just um, what I kind of use because obviously I'm not the most vertical athlete, but um, I try to use those little sneaky things to try to kind of pr- predict where the ball is and just trying to beat my opponent there. So. Right, and so last weekend you guys split with UMBC, meaning you ended up as the two seed uh, in the American East going into the tournament. What's it like being neck and neck with them uh, going into the final series of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, they're a great team, they're a great coach, and they play uh, hard defense, so I mean, they have a great game plan every time we play them. Um, but, you know, you couldn't, that's kind of like what you play for, and that's kind of like... Uh, you know, coming into the season, we knew that would be kind of the way it goes. And, um, you know, they're kind of in the last three, four years. So, um, 
But that's like, you know, that's why you play. That's why you bring all the hours. It's exciting. It's exciting for sure. Yeah, year, in, year, in, year in and year out, you guys are competing for the American East title every year. What's going to push you over the hump this year, especially with the possibility of going up against a talented squad in UMBC? I'm sorry, can you just repeat that last part? Yeah. Oh, really. What's going to get you over to the hump this year, especially with the possibility mm-hmm. of going up against a talented squad of UMBC? Yeah, you know, I think it's just, uh, just from our roots, our, like, base. I think we really got to get back to just, you know, our base defense. And um, I think how hard we play can really wear down teams, how deep we are. And I think, um, you know, with that mentality shift kind of, only having to play 40 as opposed to 80 uh, in a weekend is big and kind of open guys up to kind of just play, you know, it's kind of all out for 40 minutes and to get that one win. I think that's um, a huge thing. It really help us, uh, uh, you know, kind of lock in defensive, a, a full defensive 40 efforts for the whole game. So I think that's kind of what will lead to our, our success. And not to keep hampering on the UBMC uh, games that we're going to have, um, but obviously, I think it's a matchup a lot of people want after that split. Um, but what do you think you guys did well on Friday night last week that you didn't uh, translate over into Saturday's loss? And what do you think you have to do? Assuming, again, we don't want to jinx anything for you guys, uh, but assuming that matchup happens again, what do you think you need to do, in addition to defense maybe, uh, to beating them? Yeah, you know, I think um, it just comes down to executing. Um, I think for me, uh, just executing the game plan and knowing what uh, they like to, you know, they like to kind of pack the paint, um, thus creating a lot of outside shots. And, um, you know, they're kind of falling a little bit short, uh, so kind of like a little bit of dead legs on the back-to-back. But, um, you know, just knowing that and knowing uh, where to find the open open guy and we get a lot of cutters and stuff because they like, like again, they like to pack it in. So um, hopefully we shoot a little bit better. Hopefully we can get some better movement um, on the outside going into the, to the rim. So. Uh, what matchup or matchups would you want to have in this American East tournament? Um, are you saying for for what I want? Who would I want to play? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, what? Who who would be like your ideal matchup in this tournament? I mean, I know there's there's a lot of talented teams, but who would who would you who would you guys want to face? Like coming down, like especially towards like the late of the game and what. What? Who do you want to really yes. battle it yeah. out with in yeah. the tournament? Exactly. I think would be the best yeah. way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I got, I got to put UMBC at the top. I just think that's just, you know, a matchup is exciting for everyone for obvious reasons, but especially for us because, you know, we lost in this one. Um, but also, besides that, I think, you know, there's teams we haven't played this year, so I think um, that would be an interesting matchup just because, you know, we don't know if those guys haven't played had a chance to play them this year, but so like guys like UNH, Hartford, you know, good teams that we haven't had to play. I think that'd be um, kind of interesting and uh, exciting to play. But you know, anyone, I'm excited for uh, just the whole playoffs in general. And anyone that's you know there deserves to be there. And if they win those games before, then they deserve to be there. So um, that's kind of looking at one game at a time. And whoever's there is there. But I'm excited no matter what, whoever it is. Right, and so yesterday you were actually named the Kevin Robertson Player of the Year. Uh, do you value honors like that, or is it more of a, okay, that's cool, but I'm going to focus on the main goal of winning uh, the conference and getting to the tournament? Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, kind of awards like that uh, obviously cool and something I think I definitely cherish and look back on, but, um, you know, I'm just appreciative of where I'm at 
and the team I have and the coaches I've had and um, all the trust they put in me and the spots they put in me to succeed. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want to win. And like you said, going to NCAA tournament is, is the goal, and the, it was the first goal, is still. So um, if we do that, then, you know, that's that's all I care about. You know, really, the individual things as long as we win, so. Right, and so um, you talked a little bit earlier about the pauses and stuff. So with this year, you guys do have a bye going into the American East Tournament, as we've mentioned a couple times. Would you rather not have that bye this season? I know a couple of years ago that might sound like, why in the world wouldn't someone want to buy? But now with all the stopping yeah. and starting, would you rather sort of not have that bye so you keep up momentum, or do you still enjoy the break and the chance to recharge the batteries? Yeah, you know, that's something that I actually was just thinking about and, um, you know, we have a two-week kind of break here before, and these other teams are playing this weekend, get two kind of games in the playoffs and kind of get their feet wet and that that kind of atmosphere. Even though there's no fans still, you know, you kind of have different nerves now that it's a one-and-done. But, um, you know, I think um, for us, uh, we're having a great week of practice this week and really building up well, and I think um, – uh, getting guys laid back is huge for us, and you know, uh, being well rested uh, for that first game, regardless even if we haven't played that kind of atmosphere or uh, feeling wise, whether it be with no fans. But I think um, we'd rather take that. So, um, right. And you yeah. mentioned uh, conditioning a little bit earlier. What are you, are you concerned at mm-hmm. all about the conditioning after a two week break due to non COVID related problems? <laughs> No, not not that worried about it. Coaches have done a great job of building it up and make sure we're playing and you know, keeping our legs um keeping our legs rested but also getting, you know, good running, scrimmaging, uh practicing hard and um, you know, lifting all that stuff. So I think they've done a great job this week and, you know, obviously next week they will as well. And um, you know, I feel confident that you know, with uh well rested legs and our conditioning will be pretty good for uh, whoever we play next week. Absolutely. Ryan Davis, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you very much, and best of luck going forward. And we want to thank uh, uh, Vermont forward junior uh, Ryan Davis for coming on and talking to Nick and I uh, uh, last week. Well, well, we had some very, very, very good games uh, in the American East Tournament. Uh, just quickly to go over, uh, there was pod play on February 27th uh, with six-seeded UMass Lowell Winning, uh, beating Stony Brook in a nail biter, 64 to 62, um, and then uh, later that day, number four, number four seed Hartford uh, defeated number nine seed Binghamton, 77 to 60. Uh, the University of Albany, the five seed, beat NJIT, who was the eight seed, 76 to 66. And then on Sunday, UMass Lowell uh, pulled off an upset against the University of New Hampshire, beating them 72 to 64. Um, and then the four-seeded Hartford uh, took on uh, the University of Albany. Hartford was able to pull away with that one, winning the game 83-77. to Now the semifinals are set. Um, at 2 o'clock on Saturday, March 6th, UMBC, the number one seed, will take on UMass Lowell, the sixth seed. And then at 4 o'clock, Ryan Davis and the Vermont Katmandus will take on Number three seed Hartford Hawks. Connor, what do you, what do you make of this tournament so far? And these this is a this is a very good semifinal slate that we have in the American East here. 
Um, I personally think it's just going to be UMBC is going to be able to beat UMass Lowell and uh, Vermont State is going to be able to edge out Hartford uh, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you you and I shared the same exact perspective, which on top of this, um, we'll get to in a bit with the rest of the mid-majors being kind of wild. I think this one's pretty much going to be straightforward. I think it's going to come down to UMBC and Vermont in the end. And, it, yeah, it should be a very, very, very interesting matchup if those two teams face off again because, like we said, um, I think last week we touched on uh, they split the season series uh, to end the year, and then they would go into this tournament getting the buys to the semifinals. So, yes, if that pans out to be, that should be a very, very, very good championship game. That will be on March uh, 13th, Saturday, March 13th at 11. Um, so that's a very big game to look out for. But speaking of great games, what a th what, what thrilling games did we have in the Horizon League last night, Tuesday night? Uh, Cleveland State took on number 10 seed at Purdue Fort Wayne. Cleveland State was the number one team uh, in the Horizon League tournament. Uh, also, uh, Northern Kentucky, the four seed, took on number five seed, uh, Detroit Mercy. Um, and then Youngstown State, who was the sixth seed, traveled to Oakland to take on um, the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. And then finally, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, yes, uh, Wright State, the two seed, took on uh, the number seven seed Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Panthers. Um, so just a wild, wild, wild night there. Um, Cleveland State, overtime, triple overtime. Uh, Northern Kentucky, one on a buzzer beater. Right, uh, right State, Milwaukee, del uh, overtime. Oakland, Youngstown State, overtime. Crazy games all across the slate. Let's, let's jump into this. First off, I think this is one of the craziest games I've ever seen or craziest things that I've ever seen. Milwaukee was down 24 with less than seven minutes to go in the game. They were able to tie it at the last seconds of the game to take the game to overtime and knock off who we both thought last week would be able to roll right through this conference, this conference tournament in Wright State. Wright State ended up losing this game 94-92. to Connor, what, what were your thoughts when you saw this score? I saw the winning percentages late in that game. I believe Wright State was at a 98% chance, maybe higher chance to win, leading by 24 points. When I looked back and saw the box score, I couldn't believe it. Definitely one of the craziest days, I think, in a whole entire conference tournament that you will ever see. It, it, it was absolutely crazy. I was like, I was looking through Twitter because I wasn't watching. I wasn't watching the game. I was watching the Cleveland State Purdue Fort Wayne game, but I was looking through Twitter and I saw. I think it was Mid Major Madness. They tweeted out and they said, "Yeah, Wright State looks like they're gonna roll, roll right through and uh, pick up a win here." And then you just see Cle uh, Milwaukee just clawing back, clawing back, and clawing back, and they were finally able to. Tie it up uh, with, I think, like 0.7 seconds left in the second half. That That's just crazy to me. And this is why we march, we watch March basketball. Also, Cleveland State, Purdue, Fort Wayne. That game went into triple overtime. Uh, Cleveland State uh, taking the game to double overtime on a bank shot three. Cleveland State was able to come out on top 108 to 104 against the Mastodons. Connor, I... <laughs> I, like, I couldn't think of a game that would top the Wright State-Milwaukee game, but I think this one is up there with that one. One of the, one of the more crazier games that I have watched. Definitely. I, this conference tournament is just up for any upper grabs at this point, and um, in all honesty, I don't know if I can trust Cleveland State after last night's game. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah, like you said, any, anyone could possibly take, take this conference now. I mean, we see how much Purdue-Fort Wayne, the 10th seed, 
who who won in double overtime against Green Bay the week before, able to take them as far as they did and claw and claw and claw and claw and fight with this this great team that we've seen all year, just control the Horizon League. But also, I want to t- uh, take a take a minute to look at the uh, Northern Kentucky and Detroit Mercy game. This game came down to the last possession, a buzzer beater. David Bohm was able to tip it in for Milwaukee or for Northern Kentucky, excuse me, to win the game seventy to sixty nine. Um, that game, like all these other games, were crazy. Um, just, just like I said, another reason why we watch, watch March basketball. Um, and then finally, Oakland was able to edge out Youngstown State in an overtime. Like I, I mean, I wasn't really paying attention to that, that game as much, even though that one went into overtime as well. But, you know, just, just to see all these games, especially a conference that I've followed a lot this year because of Robert Morris being in the Horizon League. I mean, it's just nice to see the full conference in, in everyone's eyes, especially on a national level, uh, on this conference. It's, it's, it's very nice to see. Completely. It gets too hard to track at some points, uh, as, as we've seen in previous years right. of March. Um, but I'm certainly glad it's back. Oh, yes. Um, so, Connor, you said... It's it's hard to choose, but do you have one team that you think could possibly take this Horizon League tournament? Do you think it's going to be Cleveland State, who is the one seed who who has who have who we have seen kind of just uh, play very well, play these teams very well, or do you think we're going to see an an upset here or there, especially in these semifinal games, which are at a neutral site? Um, they're going to be played at the uh, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, uh, home of uh, IUPUI, on uh, Monday night, and then the championship game will be on Tuesday night. Um, so, what do, what do you make of this field right now? You got Cleveland State, Northern Kentucky. Um, so Cleveland State will take on Milwaukee, and then Oakland will take on Northern Kentucky. Two very, 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 very great games, but. Do you think anyone can take take out Cleveland State, especially with the way they played um, on uh, Tuesday night? Definitely. I mean, if it's not going to be Cleveland State, in my opinion, it could very well be Northern Kentucky. I think that um, that whole entire game just went back and forth right up until the very end. They were making shots against Detroit Mercy. Um, but I think if anybody, it could be them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, I feel like Oakland, like like we saw, they've, they struggled early on, early on the year. They've turned it on as of late. Um, I don't, as much as I want to see Milwaukee kind of battle it out, I just don't really think they, they do have a great team. They, they were able to come back from a sizable margin of 24 points, but Northern Kentucky, they got a guy, Marquez Warwick, who has been a force. He's a, he's only a freshman. He's averaging 16 points a game for them. They've been, they've been playing so well, um, I, I just think that's the that's the team to knock off Cleveland State. I mean, who knows what's going to happen um, on on Monday and then going into Tuesday. I mean, will we see another overtime game? I mean, I I'll, I would put money on that we would see another overtime game or another close battled out game. And you know, if you're playing back to back, it might be tough for these teams to to be ready for Tuesday night. But it should be should be an interesting finish. Horizon League basketball, the yeah, craziest. Yeah, the craziest. One one of the more crazier conference tournament game, ra- nights we have seen in recent history, but let's move on to the Big South tournament. Uh, they kicked off Saturday afternoon with their playing games. Hampton was able to beat Presbyterian narrowly, 67 to 65. 
Um, and then High Point was able to beat South Carolina Upstate 65-60. to um, They also played on Monday. That was their quarterfinal round. Uh, the two-seed Radford was able to beat the number seven seed Hampton 67-52. to Winthrop easily uh, eight, beating High Point 83-54. to The Campbell Fighting Camels were able to beat Gardner-Webb 63-57. to And then Longwood was able to edge out UNC Asheville 77-61. to um, What else do we got here? Um, so we both said it. Uh, last week, or at least I've been saying it over the week, this is Winthrop's conference to lose. They've they've rolled through their it whole conference been. schedule. Uh, it has been for the past couple of years, you're right. So, you got you got anyone else who do, you, are you still rolling with Winthrop through this whole thing? Because just the way they played against High Point, I know they're the eight seed, but just the way they played and the way they were able to dominate, the way they were able to finish out the game, I, I just think it's something that, you know, they can carry into these next couple of rounds going into the uh, conference championship if they can make it that far. Absolutely. Winthrop has retained a lot of that um, same mentality as they had last year, absolutely dominating the Big South. I don't see anybody quite giving them a game. Obviously, a team like Radford will. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be Winthrop mm-hmm. all the way probably. Oh uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree with that. Moving on. The A-10 tournament started off with their playing games today. Uh, St. Joseph's was able to edge out LaSalle 72-66. to And then in the other playing game today, we got George Washington defeating Fordham 53-49. to Thursday, when you're probably going to be listening to this, uh, we got more first-round matchups. This is technically the second round because the first round was these 14-13 uh, and I think 11 and. 11 and 11 and 14 I think it was um, 11 and 14 playing games but uh, second round starting at 11 tomorrow on Thursday Richmond and Duquesne um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this Richmond's gonna win that game um, even though they're they're the eight seed uh, they've also they've played they've played a pretty tough schedule they've played some tough teams um, I, I just think they're they're the better team there I, I feel like they're gonna be able to easily defeat Duquesne on uh, on in the first game on Thursday, um, next is St. Joseph's in UMass. Um, that game is at one o'clock. Dayton and Rhode Island they're playing at three thirty on Thursday. Dayton they were able to knock off St. Bonaventure um, to end the season on to end their regular season on Monday. Um, that was a game that I I thought St. Bonaventure would win and ride the momentum in the tournament. Instead, Dayton was able to knock off. The Bonnies, who who are the one seed, who are still who had the one seed locked up, but yes, they the Dayton Flyers will play Rhode Island um, at 3:30 on Thursday, and then to end out the Thursday slate, uh, George Mason Mason will take on one of the playing teams, playing games uh, teams, George Washington at 5:30. Connor, what are your initial thoughts on this A10 best A10 conference tournament? Uh, we saw that. These teams, I don't think, will be a single-digit automatic qualifier anymore uh, with the recent uh, defeat by, uh, with Dayton defeating, uh, no, sorry, Dayton knocking off St. Bonaventure uh, to end the uh, regular season um, on Monday. What are, Do you think St. Bonaventure can win this tournament, or do you think a team like Richmond might sneak up on there, Dayton or St. Louis? Do you think one of those teams could have a shot at knocking off the top team? I mean, we also can't... Th- Forget about UMass 
Um, they're also another tough team in that conference as well. I mean, you got a pretty tough top top half of that conference and top top uh, top seats in that conference. So, do you think anyone can take out take out St. Bonaventure? Definitely. You mentioned it first. I think it has to be Richmond. You know, mm-hmm. they they gave teams like West Virginia a game. They beat Loyola Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think if anybody except for St. Bonaventure, it definitely has to be uh, Richmond. Um, I think they should walk through Duquesne tomorrow pretty mm-hmm. pretty easily at 11 a.m. Um, but we will see. Yeah, I mean, it should be very a very interesting tournament. Uh, I, ju- I, ju- I think, like, a team like Richmond, they had to deal with a lot of COVID issues, and, you know, that kind of set them back. I know teams like St. Louis have also had to deal with the same same stuff throughout the year. So definitely there's a lot at for stake, and, you know, you can't take a team, an eight-seed team, Richmond for granted, especially moving into the later rounds because they, they can fight with just about anyone. But uh, let's move on to uh, the top 25. Um, one, one, of the, one of the last of, of the season with uh, everyone moving into the conference, conference tournaments. But Oklahoma dropped the biggest of the week, dropping down nine spots after losing to Oklahoma State on Saturday afternoon. Um, I know they had a rematch on, uh, on Monday, Monday night uh, between those two schools. Um, what, what did you think? What did you make of that, uh, that game on Saturday? I mean, I know Oklahoma's been, Oklahoma State's been that team where they're sitting right on that bubble, and they're, they're going to be a team in the tournament where you're going to be scared to play them if you're the one seed, especially if, uh, especially if uh, Oklahoma State's able to make it past the first round. Definitely, and they proved it to us with these past four games as well. Um, but the two victories at Oklahoma are definitely um, the most important, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I mean, most definitely, yeah. Um, the uh, Oklahoma State um, on was able to defeat the Sooners again on uh, on Monday, on Monday uh, Monday night, beating them seventy nine to seventy five. So another loss for the Sooners. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a crazy a crazy turn of events for Oklahoma. We thought they were going to be this top team. Top team in the country. They 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 seem like they were on on a roll. They were able to beat West Virginia uh, just a few weeks ago, but losing these two games to uh, to Oklahoma Oklahoma State is definitely not good for their resume. Even though they're they're pretty much a lock for the tournament, but uh, just dropping down, Oklahoma State was also able to hop into the top twenty five, uh, moving up nine spots. So they were actually the biggest um, biggest boost of the week as they were able to leverage themselves uh, into the 17th, 17 rank in the uh, top 25. Other notables, uh, Tennessee uh, dropped out of the AP poll as well. Uh, moving on, though, Baylor, they they dropped one to Kansas on Saturday night. Connor, what, what do you make of this Baylor team? Because we saw them, we talked about it last week with Baylor narrowly defeating Iowa State. And this team coming off of COVID-19 problems within the program. And now we see them drop a game to Kansas, who we who we saw. They struggled early on in the year, and now they're starting to pick it up. What do we make of this Baylor team right now? Do you think they're going to be able to find something and find find their way back into kind of a high level of competition, especially with them moving into the Big 12 tournament and, and then going into the actual NCAA tournament? Do you think they can 
kind of bring back that same energy they had earlier on the year when they were when they were 17 and 0. Definitely. This is something you do not want to see to open up your March. Um, but, you know, this next game against Oklahoma State is obviously going to spell danger, I think, for the Baylor Bears. Um, the game against West Virginia, I thought they dominated the, fr- the first part of the first half. But then, you know, letting West Virginia come back into that game, even though it's a win on paper, it still wasn't a win in my mind, at least. Um, but we will see how they can, you know, regroup and, and try to carry things into the March Madness in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I really want to see Baylor succeed in this tournament. I'm, I feel like, I mean, they they, ha- they have been that top team all year. And just how they've been able to, uh, I mean, it, it's been tough for everyone. But, I mean, it's been especially tough for Baylor to get through this pause. And, uh, I mean, I thought, I thought last week after we saw them narrowly defeat Iowa State, I was like, oh, yeah, they'll probably be, they'll be okay. It was just one of those games where I mean, you, you just gotta say it was our first game back. We gotta we gotta work on some things. But like losing to Kansas, that that's a big blow, especially with it being such a high highly ranked conference game. I mean, you're playing two ranked teams, but they just dropped one spot with Michigan moving into that number two spot. Uh, Michigan was able to beat um, Iowa pretty easily Thursday night, and then they lost to. Uh, who did they they lost to Illinois, Illinois, correct? Yes. Who was out without one of their uh top point scorers? Um so what did what did you make of that game? And was this just a hiccup for Michigan in their schedule, or do we have some concern here? I would like to think it's nothing more than a hiccup. Um hopefully it doesn't evolve into anything too too serious here with these next two games against Michigan State coming up. Um but the loss to Illinois, you know, Illinois was a four is a four seed at the moment. Um in the top 25 uh, it, it's a respectable loss let's put it that way but they were absolutely dominated by illinois the entire game um so it's a very concerning in my opinion if i'm a michigan fan and, and when i was looking at the game I, I i saw the score thursday night i'm like oh my this te- this team might actually be something after after knocking off like another tough team in iowa but then seeing 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 them lose on uh saturday um was just kind of kind of like alarming where I'm like back to where where I'm like yeah Gonzaga's gonna Gonzaga's gonna probably run the table in this tournament and I feel more confident with Gonzaga now than I did with Michigan but we shall see Gonzaga also completed their undefeated season um over the past weekend as well um also uh Nova Villanova they dropped two spots with a loss to Butler a loss that they didn't want whatsoever um Butler They've been they've been able to beat some pretty good teams in their home arena. Um, they were able to beat Creighton at home. Um, that, that was that was one of their bigger games, and then also knocking off Seton Hall at home as well. And then this Villanova game along with that as well. Like like I said with Michigan, do you think this is a hiccup for Villanova, or is this like once again something alarming, something we should very should, should look at more, especially moving into this uh, Big East tournament in the uh, in next week, actually. Something I made clear, I think, before on the show is that I do not trust Villanova whatsoever. Um, I think that Big East is just way too tough to tell sometimes, and I think anybody can really um, beat any given team on any given night, uh, aside from the cliche, let's put it that way. Um, but this Big East tournament, I think you may see that. It, it's going to be it's gonna be a good Big East tournament to see like what teams are, are going to shine. I mean, we see teams like Creighton. We see teams like Villanova. This is their time to step up and 
and really cement themselves into being a like a top tournament team and being able to make a deep run in this uh, in this March Madness tournament. But we shall see, Connor. What what is your bubble watch for this week? What do you what do you have for us for teams on the bubble? Okay, so bubble watch. My not my first team. Let's get to this. Uh, Duke's chances of making a tournament via regular season wins uh, that's diminished this week, completely in my opinion. Obviously, if they wanted to have a slim chance of even making a tournament, I think they had to win out. But now, it, you know, it it turns to completely focusing on you know you have to win the ACC tournament to get that automatic bid. And that's the end-all, be-all for the Blue Devils. Uh, but the two losses this week just really hurt against Louisville and Georgia Tech. My next team, Michigan State entering the mix. I think ESPN has them projected as an 11 seed. They're playing in against Boise State at the moment, which we'll get to in a second as well. Um, but they'll likely need to split games with Michigan this weekend um, to secure their spot in the field. Above all, Boise State, you know, with three consecutive losses to close out the regular season, losing two back-to-back -back games against San Diego State after leading that whole entire conference, and then they lost their next game to, I believe, Fresno State. Uh, now they're a part of ESPN's top four out, um, and I'm leaning to believe so as well. Do you think, even with a strong performance in the Mountain West Conference tournament, do you <coughs> oh, sorry, do you, do you think this... This Boise State team has any chance, even if they don't win the conference tournament, to, to be able to sneak in to those final four spots and, you know, just just find a way to sneak their way in, even if it comes to a matchup against San Diego State, especially late in the tournament. Like if they if they were able to if they were able to make it to like the deep rounds of the tournament, like the semifinals or the finals, well it would probably have to be the finals. But if they were able to make a way to the finals and lose to San Diego State, do you think they get in? That's where the committee comes in the decision of, you know, a complete bubble team. I think it's one of the hardest decisions to make. However, I think that they just barely fall out of this. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's another thing that we have to look out for um, in, this, in this crazy first couple of weeks of March and then leading into the March Madness tournament. But let's look at the top games of the week. Um, these are these are still all regular season games. Um, Thursday night, tomorrow night, uh, Oklahoma State will take on Baylor at seven o'clock. That should be a very good game. As we stated earlier, Oklahoma State made their way into the top twenty-five after uh, after a win against Oklahoma and then winning against the Sooners once again on Monday night. Baylor, as we mentioned earlier as well, dropped a game to Kansas on Saturday evening. Connor, what what do you got for this game? Do you think this uh, Oklahoma State will be able to knock off Baylor and you know give Baylor their second straight loss? As I mentioned before, I think this game spells danger for the Baylor Bears. However, I think that they do stick through and win this game. I think they finally regroup and uh, redeem themselves after a kind of sloppy second half against West Virginia. I think they finally come through and dominate. I'm going for the uh, intense March game. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State here. I mean, I feel like. Oklahoma State's they they've been on a roll. They were able to beat a top team in Oklahoma last week, twice, twice, in a span of two days. And Baylor, I just really haven't seen a lot of them coming out of the pause. Yeah, you you faced Iowa State and struggled, and then you played a top team in Kansas, and they they looked all right. Uh, definitely not a team that I mean, not at the you're not really competing at the level that you would want in the month of or in, in late February, early March now. So I, I think this is this is a game where 
Oklahoma State could win. And a, a game that I would be very scared if I were a Baylor Bears fan. But also on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, Michigan State will take on Michigan. This is very this is a very big game for Michigan State in their bubble hopes. Um, also, Michigan trying to get back on track. Uh, Connor, who do you have in this game? Oh, boy. Because I know you're, you're a Michigan State fan. Oh, boy. Michigan State has a history of winning games in Ann Arbor. Um, just, you know, the past couple of games for them just have not been good in my mind. Even though they beat uh, Indiana in the end, it was still a tightly contested game for the most part all the way until the end. Um, the Maryland loss really hurt to me, 73-55. to 55. I think that was on Sunday. Um, in this game, I, I just got to go with uh, Michigan in this. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I have to go with Michigan on this as well. Yeah, they had that tough loss over the weekend, but I, I feel like they're still, they're still going to be a team. They're still going to be able to, you know, battle back and get, get right and be able to beat a Michigan State team who, like we said, have struggled but have been hot of late. So this would be a very good big matchup for them to uh, – to knock off Michigan State, and they play them once again uh, over the weekend as well. So that's another that's another chance for Michigan State to maybe pull off an upset and come out with a season series I will, split. I will say this: do not count them out in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, definitely should be a very interesting game, but definitely a game that you should tune into. I think um, on Thursday they're on ESPN, and then on Sunday I think they play again. Yes, they play on CBS at four thirty. So definitely a game that you want to watch and uh, definitely uh, two top teams in the Big Ten that, that you, you want to look out for, especially heading into the tournament. Um, also, on Thursday night, the final Thursday night game that we have for you, Texas, uh, they're the 15th seed. They take on Oklahoma in, in Oklahoma. Um, like we said, Oklahoma, they've lost two straight games to Oklahoma State. Connor, what do you have? Who do you have in this game? Oklahoma definitely dropping after losing those two games to Oklahoma State. However, I think they do get a win against Texas in this one. I, I think, uh, especially with Oklahoma being at home, I think they're going to have the edge over Texas in that one. Um, also, moving on to the weekend, Saturday, Oklahoma State takes on West Virginia. We saw West Virginia drop a game to Baylor um, in overtime. One of the probably one of the best games in college basketball all year. Uh, that was just a crazy game with Baylor having control in the first half and then West Virginia battling back, taking the lead, and then the, get that game going into overtime and Baylor able to edge out West Virginia on the road. Uh, I'm going to have to go with West Virginia in this one. I think as the home team, they're going to they're gonna be they're gonna be ready, especially with Oklahoma State go, coming up, uh, going off a game against Baylor. One of the top teams in the country. I think West Virginia is going to be ready for this one, especially after how they lost to Baylor on Tuesday evening. Definitely. I think Mich- I think excuse me, West Virginia has been playing really good ball lately. However, I'm going against you on this one. I think this is the one that Oklahoma State wins to solidify their chances. Okay, okay. Moving on, Saturday at 4 o'clock, Illinois will take on Ohio State. Um, this, is, this is also another... Uh, great game to look out for uh, in the Big Ten, especially one of the final matchups of the season. Uh, Illinois comes in this game ranked uh, number four, and then uh, Ohio State is the seventh uh, seventh ranked team in the country. Uh, we know Ohio State. Um, they, I think they lost on Sunday. If I if I do recall, I think Iowa was able to beat them on Sunday. Yeah, they did big time. So. This is this is definitely a game where I oh sorry excuse me Ohio State 
has to win. I think this is a game that they that they that they should be able to win. I mean, I know Illinois has been Illinois has been playing well without um one they're without their leading scorer. I know they still have Kofi Coburn and some guys that can step up, but um losing Ayo uh Damasu, uh, that's going to that's going to be that's going to be a tough pill to swallow, especially if he's not back. I think he's still out and definitely I, I I don't think there's been any update on him. All I know is he did not play uh, in their in their last game. So Connor, who do you have in this game? I'm gonna I'm gonna still I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go with Illinois in this game, especially with the way Ohio State lost over the weekend against Iowa. It was out indefinitely, by the way. Just to add to that, and I, I think you know he's a big he's vers he has that versatility line on offense. I think, um, but in this one, I'm gonna go with Ohio State. I think they have to win this to really uh, move up into the rankings a little bit more. And solidify, you know, their their higher number in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, also, more Big Ten action for you. Wisconsin takes on Iowa. I got this one pretty easily. I think Luca Garza and the Hawkeyes will be able to win this game against Wisconsin. Who, I mean, they've been play, they've played some tough games, but I just feel like Iowa, especially at home, they're going to be able to take this one. Definitely, I think Luca Garza and the Hawkeyes have been really uh, gaining momentum as they head into the tournament. I think they're going to be able to win this. And then finally, on the week, Texas Tech will take on Baylor Sunday at 4 o'clock. I believe that game's on ESPN. Baylor, we've talked about them the whole show and how they're going to rebound. Yes, they they beat West Virginia in overtime. Uh, But Texas Tech, they've been been a pretty good team as well. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with Baylor at home on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I feel like they're going to finally be able to put everything together and, and be able to beat a very talented Red Raiders team. Definitely. Um, Texas Tech really played them tough, I think, the last time they played in January, early January. Um, however, I think this time it's just going to be straight up Baylor. I think, like I said before, they really need to win to uh, solidify their top rankings. Yes, very, very, very big matchups this weekend. Very, very, very entertaining matchups as they should be. We got a lot more in store for you over the next couple of weeks. I mean, be sure to uh, keep up to date, especially by following Twitter, Stranded underscore sports. You can find all the conference previews there. As as much as I can kind of uh, put out, as much as I can do, um, I know I've been doing a lot with uh, all these conference tournaments. I mean, I feel like, especially these mid-major tournaments, especially, like I said, you've seen games in the Horizon League. You've seen games in other conferences be really tight so i mean definitely some smaller schools that you need to look out for and teams that you need to watch so be sure to stay up to date with all the conference tournament information and scores and updates there on twitter as well as here on the stranding in the paint podcast um we've been talking about brackets and brackets coming out selection sunday just two short weeks away i believe less than two short weeks away um we're going to be doing a bracket show for you on uh, Selection Sunday after that's all released. And, you know, pick our teams and pick our brackets. So that's definitely something you should look out for as well. But for Connor Lawrence, I am Ethan Morrison. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strutting in the Paint. And we will see you next week. Oh, 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 o